0: This is Client Side from Fox Agency. Hit it! That's what I'm talking about! Wait! Okay, now, from the beginning. Sylvia Kashish is the Principal IoT Analyst at GSMA Intelligence. She leads IoT product development and is also responsible for sizing the IoT opportunity with a focus on enterprises including the role of operators to researching and analyzing IoT technologies, applications and business models. The GSMA represents the interests of mobile operators worldwide, uniting more than 750 operators with almost 400 companies in the broader mobile ecosystem. The GSMA also provides industry leading events such as MWC Barcelona and Shanghai and Mobile 360 series of conferences. Sylvia Kashish, welcome to ClientSide.
1: Thanks Nathan for having me.
0: Absolute pleasure having you on the show. Let's start with your background before we get into the domain expertise. You have a sociology and communications policy academic background. How does that influence shape the way that you think about technology, human beings and the work that you're doing today?
1: That's a good question, Nathan. And um, when I think about myself, I'm a bit different to to other analysts because I don't have the the mathematics, statistics, very much numerical background when it comes to to being an analyst. On the other hand, what I'm really interested in is a bit of doing investigation. So the way I look at analysis and and doing research is, is more being a bit of a detective, finding a few data points here and there and then building up a story. And by talking to people, you actually get a better understanding of what's going on. You get to test your assumptions and, and understand what is happening around, around us. And I think the sociology degree did help me because that's where you actually learn how you do surveys, how you talk to people, you do one-to-one interviews and so on. And, and communication policy studies, that was more around regulation and, and what changes there are. So interestingly enough, I, I found it that this degree, this, this background helped me in my work.
0: So Sylvia, can you tell us a little bit more about GSMA and GSMA intelligence? How does that fit into the bigger picture?
1: GSMA, as you explained, is a trade association. And amongst other things that we do, um, amongst the conferences, we also have Programs. So there is program focused on IoT, um, and in particular focusing on 5G IoT for manufacturing. That's a very hot topic at the moment. Um, focusing on drones, automotive, and also IoT security, which is which is a, a very key topic. Uh, another program is future networks, looking at how the network is going to look at the future, so including 5G, and, and identity. When it comes to gsma intelligence uh we are the analyst arm of, of the gsma so we're providing data analysis and, and forecast mostly on mobile operators and, and networks um and we do quite a lot of research um, so our team authors multiple reports across different topics and one of the best known uh, best known are uh, mobile economy reports so those series actually come out in conjunction with um Mobile Congress, uh, Barcelona, Shanghai, and so on. So, so the most recent one is the Mobile Economy China, and everybody can can download it. So I would very much encourage everybody to read it. So obviously looking at how what's the status Mobile Economy, that's very important uh, for us. We look at other topics, obviously 5 g key spectrums, happening on the spectrum side, what's happening on the fixed side, digital consumer, and last but not least, IoT and enterprise. So this is what GSMA Intelligence does. So we, we have a team that focuses on, on forecasting, on on um, so data, um, team of researchers, team of economists, um, and in general, we we do, we do quite a lot.
0: Hmm, really interesting. So so let's talk a little bit about the work that you're doing now. And especially, let's start the conversation at IoT, because I think there's still a lot of confusion when it comes to IoT There are lots of different use cases and applications. Explain what IoT really is. Mm -hmm. Why do people deploy it and why should we care?
1: That's actually one of my pet topics, and when you think about IoT, obviously, we have our definition that we put across as GSMA, intelligent GSMA, and um, the Internet thing, so IoT describes the coordination of machines, devices, and applications connected to the Internet, and this could be connected via multiple different networks. This could be Wi-Fi, any other short range, ZigBee, Z-Way, um, satellite become more popular, cellular networks, and, and so on, so multiple different ways of, of connectivity. but those connected devices include everyday objects and, and machines from across very different verticals, industries, and so on. And when you think about it, you can think about consumer IoT, so consumer electronics devices such as um, wearables. Connected cars, uh, also of sensors that are equipped with the, with the technology to send and receive data. Um, so when you think in your home, probably you have um, Alexa, Google, Google Home, so smart speaker, connected speaker. This is IoT, smart watches and so on. Um, that's IoT. And and when you think about. Actually, um, knowing when the next bus or train arrives or knowing when, how long it's going to take for the Uber to arrive, that's also IoT and that's enabled by telematics. Mm. But, you know, that's, that's a consumer, putting in the consumer um, perspective on the enterprise side it's all about data. It's not only about connecting devices, because connecting is really the first step. It's about what's happening after you get the data. And then data is is really, as some, some call it, the, the new currency. is it's, That's what's really important. And it's all about enabling digital transformation. So what we have heard through COVID-19 pandemic, the term digital transformation really came out as one of the top catch-all phrases. So it's it's all about making sure that enterprises that deploy IoT can achieve cost-saving, increase uh, the revenue, generate new revenues, but also uh, comply with regulations. So on the enterprise side, IoT is all really about application focus on quality control, management of supply chains, assets, and fleets, and and so on. So that's why should we care, because it, it does help on the enterprise side it helps with achieving the business goal and business objective on the consumer side it really helps us with making our life easier and when you think about the future potentially in a couple of years couple of decades we can think about you know just entering a home and everything happening as soon as you arrive home you know your kettle will know you want a tea your tv will come on the lights will come on that's the vision but Obviously. That's a beautiful future. That's a beautiful vision. It does take time. It does going to it, it does require a lot of collaboration between different ecosystem players. But that's the vision, right? Mm,
0: really exciting. And so from a business point of view, the business outcomes that enterprises are looking f- at right now are, as you said, cost savings, new sources of revenue, and also compliance with regulation. Talk about what some of the most attractive opportunities are from a business perspective for enterprises and how are the best enterprises deploying IoT at the moment?
1: So um, it, it really depends. So we are very lucky that we run enterprise uh, in focus service. So we surveyed last year, 2,900 enterprises across 18 uh, markets and eight, 8 verticals. So what we, what we find is um, we cannot ignore the COVID-19 pandemic that, that's all around us. So what we have found out is that the short-term plans were put on hold, but enterprises are still um, are still deploying IT. IT, it is important for them. And what do they see is that um, proof of concepts and, and um, trials, the, the percentage has increased year on year, so compared to, to 2019. But enterprises really want to solve a problem. So it's all about solving a problem. 49% of enterprises see IoT as transformational to their company as well as industry. It is a slight decrease over 2019, uh, simply because there is more recognition that IoT. It is difficult; it's not very easy to deploy. Simply because you know, as you scale, you actually realize there's more issues, and more problems. So, the current use cases that that we see primarily um, center around cost saving, and primarily are about making sure that you can achieve certain benefits. On top of that, we see that revenue generation is actually very very uh, fallen very um very swiftly, and we've seen that I think last year uh sixty eight percent of enterprises said that's how they measured it. Success of IT deployment mm. and compliance. Year on year, we see a growing importance of compliance. So when you think about compliance, it is regulatory compliance because there, every single different industry has um, regulations related to privacy, security. We kind of ignore that that issues, but also compliance with COVID nineteen measures is is coming uh, is becoming ever more so important because you want to ensure that the workers' safety. Is insured, to put it um, like that. Sure. Uh, and uh, we see that the use cases do vary. So it's not only about cost saving; it is about um, generating revenue as well.
0: Really interesting. And so, from what you're seeing, what are some of the biggest risk factors or impediments that will stop enterprises or businesses for, from? sort of realizing those cost-saving benefits or even new revenue stream opportunities. I imagine that there are several stakeholders involved in implementing IoT from procurement, IT, security, marketing, everyone within the enterprise will have a say. What are some of the reasons why businesses struggle to implement IoT?
1: So IoT ecosystem, so ecosystem of providers, vendors, is extremely fragmented. So it's very difficult for enterprise to actually understand who they should work with, how to deploy, and so on. But again, going back to the enterprise in in focus survey, we find for the past three years, the top three challenges is integration with existing technologies, security and privacy, and, and cost. So these are the top three challenges Unchanged, that maybe shift up and and down a bit, but that's that's the key. When it comes to integration, the reason why it's important is because you already might have existing assets out there. So either information technology, IT assets, or operation technology, OT assets. And you have to make sure that when you bring IoT into the picture, they all work together. So what we found that those that say that they struggle with IT, integration, 69% find IT integration to be the the key uh, challenge. And those in retail and and utilities find it ever more uh, challenging, while manufacturing companies uh, struggle more with auto integration. This could be explained by them having to change their business processes and the way they work pretty much overnight during the COVID-19 pandemic and, and changing their supply chain and so on. But something really important, and, and I don't think that's talked about, um, is that internal iot obstacle has grown, has mm. been important. So in 2020, 40% of enterprises told us that that's the key challenge. And that's from up from 26% in 2018. So you can see that there's a strong growth trends. And that actually reflects the fact that education on the benefits of IoT um, needs to extend beyond the C-level. So you don't need to only convince people that are in charge of money to deploy IoT, but you also need to um, explain to people that are going to be working with the new processes, they're going to probably working, well, let's think about uh, connected factory amongst the robots, that this is benefiting them. And um, it is all about change management. So. You need to make sure that there is going to be the change management process put in place to get the buy-in from people that actually are on the ground and operate those services. Otherwise, you won't be able to implement a successful um, project. Mm-hmm. And um, when when it comes to that, and we we talk about you know um, privacy, security, costs, continue to be one of the key issues. But it is also important to remember that IoT, even though it's been around for quite a while. It's still relatively new when you think about enterprise thinking. And 48% of enterprises state that their IT technology departments are driving the investment in, in IoT solutions. Uh, even though it's the is a decrease, um, and the deployments are moving away from being internally driven by IT. This poses a challenge because, as I as I said early on, it's IoT needs to bring, bridge this very different culture of IT and OT mm. and very different languages that those departments are talking. Um, and, and what we see quite often, I mean, increasingly, we see actually departments being put together that, that the sole job is to make sure that they translate between those different departments. And what they have to translate is not only the different needs uh, of, of line of business, but also what sort of requirements um, on the security side they are because they are very, very different. So when you think about it, there are lots of challenges, lots of obstacles, but it is also important to ensure that there's a trust between the the provider and and the supplier and also trust between the business owners and and employees.
0: As you look at the landscape now, what what sort of businesses, what sort of industries are benefiting most from IoT right now? And which ones, in your opinion, do you feel would benefit, but for whatever reason, currently aren't?
1: So when you think about M2M and IoT, typically looking at enterprise utilities have been deploying M2M for for a very long time. And very simply, you know, smart smart metering, making sure, you know, you don't send people out there just to read the meter. it's, it's, it's important. So this has been going on for, for a very long time. We've seen COVID-19 pandemic uh, put a little bit of um, a pause on that because engineers couldn't go out there and, and replace the meters and so on. But this has picked up. So utilities, metering definitely is one of the key industries that's been embracing IT for, for a very long time. When you, when you look across other sectors, um, retail. So retail, for, if you think about point of sale, so every single time you pay with your your card, with your credit card, utilizing point of sale. So retail already has an adoption of, of IOT. And this actually has uh, increased because if you, you know, contactless payment it is a thing right now. You, you barely can pay with cash, right? So that's Sure. The-
0: in some places in London, you can't at all
1: exactly but also um you think about the way the warehouses are working the way the manufacturing and the supply chains operating um these were the industries the industry verticals that had to adopt to the so-called new normal whatever or not we like this term it's the new normal they had to pretty much ensure that they know what's happening on the entirety of the supply chain right so whether or not the products are coming how long they are you know whether or not when you think about vaccines, are they being stored at the right temperature? So everything to do with asset tracking, asset monitoring, workers monitoring for their own health and safety, that's that's what happens. So health and safety is ever so more important. But we also have seen, um, when you think about smart buildings, the overall adoption of IT would have decreased because, you know, people don't go to offices and so on. But again, the face of it is changing simply because you see... Um, thermal cameras, um, just ensuring that people don't have a high temperature when they enter, and so on. You see more healthcare uh, use cases. So uh, hospitals had to make sure they know where the assets are, right? Because you know when you don't know where your bed is, and you need somebody, you need to put somebody on on, on the hospital bed. You need to find it very very quickly. So. There was a very, very fast adoption um, across a range of verticals, even smart cities. They had to actually reallocate the the budgets that they had, let's say, to connect streetlights to, let's say, implement more CCTV cameras and so on. So um, there was a bit of a definitely change in the way IoT has been deployed and it has stopped for a little bit. It was a bit of a pause, but overall... As I think I wrote a while back, you know, short-term disruption, long-term business benefit. It is because, you know, enterprises across the world realize that they need to transform. There is a need for them to be connected and agile and be flexible in order to respond to very sudden changes.
0: Well, let's talk about something else that you wrote recently. One of your posts, you write... The overall size of the IoT revenue opportunity in 2025 will be $900 billion, a 2.6 times increase on the 2020 figure. That has been revised a little bit due to COVID-19 and the impact of of the pandemic. But how do you come up with that number, first and foremost, and what factors go into those calculations?
1: so um the new figure is 906 billion right that's down from 1.1 trillion in 2025
0: amazing so
1: we have reduced by 200 billion um so it, it is rather it takes it's an interesting approach because first we need to understand how COVID 19 we had to understand how COVID 19 pandemic has affected um iot adoption levels right so we look at it across households and businesses so whether or not you know adoption of iot devices across households will increase decrease that's number one what's happening on the enterprise size adjust the forecast based on the potential impact of of COVID, depending on the vertical, geography, and so on. And that that depends on the length of the lockdown, fiscal stimulus uh, packages in place, um, and so on. And we also look at what IMF was forecasting uh, in terms of the outlook of the depth of the economic crisis. And Mm. they have revised the outlook a few times as well. So that doesn't make... um, our job very easy because nobody knows, <laughs> sure. right? At the end of the day, it is it is very uncertain market. There's not that, you know, there's there's massive uncertainty about what's going to happen, when things are going to go back to normal, if they're ever gonna go back to normal. Mm. But um, again, we had to come up with a baseline. Uh, what we realize is, whenever there are government measures in place, um, the impact is lesser. So. Let's say Northern America, Western Europe, Asia Pacific that had help from the government, Um, they did not see as much um, effect. I mean, obviously there was a decrease, but um, it was very, very different. And SME sector, so the smaller medium enterprises, particularly... um, Susceptible to to all of those changes. So if there is no help to SMEs, the most likely going to go bankrupt. Uh, the they will not survive. So that that was something that we had to look at as well. But uh, we assume that enterprise IoTs so enterprises will recover and um, after initial um, contraction. And what we see is obviously whatever impact COVID nineteen has had or will have on the connection side is going to be reflected in the revenue generated so less connections that's less revenue and so on but that's not a really important um, factor to to think about is that quite a lot of new contracts or the the contracts that have been renegotiated cancelled and so on they have to be very attractive when it comes to price, right? Hmm. So we've seen vendors offering all sorts of uh, prolonged trials, uh, you know, pay pay um, over a longer period of time, and, and so on. So we've seen in general um, contraction of the revenue market simply because we see that. The competition is is very very tough, right? Mm. And enterprises have less money, so you have to ensure that you are priced competitively. When it comes to revenue, um, the biggest decrease we've seen on the professional services side. So what we what we see is consulting. So new new projects were affected the most. Therefore, the consulting revenue um, that deals with sizing those new projects and, and, and so on, and then system integration and so on. These are the the revenue that decreased the most, but it is rather a long process trying to figure out what's the impact of COVID and, and some of the revenue will, will never be recovered because some of the business lines will have to be combined into one.
0: Let's talk a little bit about the enterprise and IoT specifically, because I know you spend a lot of your time working with enterprise businesses. When looking at the adoption of IoT across the enterprise, you mentioned uh, industries such as retail and manufacturing earlier. what does success look like and and what are the main metrics that they're using or other businesses should be using to measure the success of an IOT deployment?
1: We would do ask question in our enterprise survey about um, how do you measure success by IT? And um, it's measured in terms of cost-saving, revenue generation, and compliance, which we, we already discussed. Uh, but uh, compliance is something that is, keeps on increasing as a success metric. Um from 31% in 2018 to 52% in 2020. So that's quite a quite a fast growth. And that's mostly driven by compliance requirements uh, with data security and privacy regulation. And um revenue generation, which I found quite surprising, but then later on it was not, um, became a top metric in 2020. 68% of enterprises measure it as such, just ahead of cost saving 65%. Mm. So companies are under the pressure to grow the top line. So they obviously cost saving is something that naturally they do, but they need to think about how else they're making money, right? Uh, but I love a good use case. It's, you know, one thing that enterprise server tells us, but what do actual enterprises are tell, telling us? Um, so this year at CES, Caterpillar, which is a mining company, mining equipment factory, made its debut, which typically you would see also of consumer electronics um, device manufacturers because that used to be a consumer connection only. And um, what do they say is that, Thanks to their autonomous equipment uh, and the benefits it delivers, it delivers 30% increase in productivity, 20% cost reduction. And what is very, very important, uh, thanks to their equipment, there is uh, zero incident. So very much helps with, with safety. And another example that we have when you think about you know, manufacturing, you mentioned manufacturing one of the industries, is Ericsson's Panda Nanjing Factory, which is uh, one of the largest industrial factories involved in the manufacturing of its ready product. Uh, when they deployed IoT to automate production, again, it resulted in savings from increased efficiency, reduction in maintenance costs, increased flexibility, which is very important in product line design. And um, they managed to get a 50% return on investment during the first year. Hmm. And they plan to break even in less than two years. And and I could go on and go on because I love those examples. But um I was recently in pa- a panel with um a gentleman from DOE, which is chem- a chemical corporation, um, manufacturing plastic. And he said for him is really important the safety, so not only compliance, but in general ensuring safety. Um so just in time prediction, um making sure the assets and and people are safe. And that's anything to do, you know, asset and process safely. So vibration monitoring, leak detection, this all contributes to safety. And we don't often think about it in in that terms, that IoT helps with that. And he said that over 20, over the past 20 years, there was a 100% increase in safety performance. And there's 0.1 incidents per 10,000 hours. Amazing. So it is, you cannot measure mm. the actual benefit of, of making sure that your employees are safe and secure in, in what they do. And that's that's something that from measuring the success of IoT, it's it's very hard to translate into monetary or, or very hard to quantify, right?
0: It is. So I, I hear what you're saying is as far as sort of top-line performance. I mean, every enterprise is is under pressure to deliver more top line performance but who tends to champion iot within the enterprise because you know does that sit with it is it security that are tend to champion it i mean there are many other competing priorities that you know executives at the c suite have MA, bottom line growth covid-19 go down the list where does iot sit in their list of priorities and who tends to champion it within the enterprise
1: it really depends on the enterprise size and what's the goal enterprise uh, has in mind. And what we have found out is when we ask about the reason for deploying IoT, um, 63% of enterprises have told us that they have deployed IoT as part of digital transformation. So that's increased from 60% last year. So if an enterprise has a goal to transform themselves to become more digital, they will deploy IT as part of that, so IoT, AI, machine learning, um, cloud, and so on. There's vast of different technologies and and very different uh, ways to to ensure that you're moving up on this journey of digital transformation. And when it comes to uh, larger enterprises, that's quite often driven by the headquarters. So again, I believe that 60% of enterprises that's headquarters driven, but quite often you might have a local champion. So you might have a smaller um outpost so you have a smaller company that wants to change one particular problem because at the end of the day iot is all about solving a problem you don't deploy iot just for the technology because you want to have let's say 2g 3g connected devices you, you have a problem and you want to solve it so there's a really interesting way um, that we now started talking not about proof of, not not only about proof of concept so what is the concept is proof of value What's the value you're going to get if you deploy such and such technology? So um, it it very much varies. So IT departments are still in charge because typically that's where everything, all the budgets sat. And we see that um, IoT budgets are um, under a little bit of strain. And dedicated IoT budgets—that's that's another matter. Um, so we've seen that you know either enterprises have a dedicated um, IoT budgets, or they will have to repurpose budgets from from other sides of the business. And we've seen that the, the repurposing has has actually increased. So you have to achieve cost saving in other parts of the business to be able to kind of sponsor or to invest in, into IoT. But that very much depends. So. Um, as you mentioned, R&D departments, they'll be in charge of, of IoT if they want to um, create something new. But in general, it is about changing the way business operates. Um, it's not only about just just getting a benefit in terms of connecting devices because that's not the end goal. The end goal is getting the data and then changing the way business operates. And once you change one one factor of it, more data you get, you can change more outputs and and more uh, you, you get cleverer in terms of what you can do.
0: The data point is an interesting one because making sense of your data is, I guess, what all enterprises have to do in order to achieve the business outcomes that they're looking for from IoT. But a lot of the data is siloed, it's lost, it's uncategorized, or it's just not collected. How can you get a business or an enterprise to access their data, use their data in the right way in order to get the results that they're looking for from IoT?
1: Um, that's a very interesting question, because what we see is that data is, is really what, what drives uh, the, the outcomes, right? And, and the question about data is that a very small proportion of data that, that's collected is, is actually being analyzed and being used. And obviously, it, it is still st- stuck inside of so IoT silos. Everything to do with ingesting data, you have to ensure that you have the right platform, right? So, if, if we go to the um, IoT stack very quickly, you have your devices. Then you have to connect them, right? You connect them using multiple different types of technologies, you know, as I mentioned, short range cellular, whatever other technology. So you you have those devices, you connect them, and then all those devices generate data. So what do you do with them? What do you do with that data? You have to translate that data into common language to ingest it, and then to make sense out of it using either you know very basic analysis about what has happened in the past. So you know step one. terms of what enterprises do they want to understand what what if condition a happens what happens as a result right so just just very very brief outline of what's happening with the data and then you go step further is okay so if this and this happens what happens next so you go through the whole entire variance what do you do with your data so um you can then do prescriptive analytics you can do predictive analytics you can you know use AI machine learning to learn what your data tells you. But that, you know, with very little data, you can do that. But then when you think about it, if you want to add data from different sides of your business, obviously you have to translate it into one language and then you need a platform, right? You need to have a platform that, that helps you do that and, and apply all sorts of machine analytics and so on. What we increasingly see, and that's a very interesting trend, is that... Sending data to cloud, is non, not everybody wants to do that. And quite a lot of decisions have to be made on premise, on the edge, or, so on the device, right? Mm. So you don't want to send your de- data to the cloud because it takes time, you know, the journey backwards and forwards. So we see a very strong growth in edge computing, um, and that's part of IT. Um, 5G. So we see lots of activities around edge computing. You know, AWS, um, Azure, Google, the with operators and so on, trying to find out the new use cases for mobile edge computing and 5G. But going back to data, you have data that you know obviously can be stored, can be analyzed, can be ingested. But then the real value, the business benefit that comes, and that's the ultimate nirvana when it comes to data, is when you are able to actually combine data from multiple different sources so when you think about it you have your organization data you have anonymized data because that's important as well from organizations that are doing very similar things to 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 yours so you can compare and contrast how you perform against those right but you can get third-party data so imagine um john deere is um is an agriculture company, so they have uh, connected tractors and also they connected massive, massive uh, machines. Mm-hmm. And what they do, they they actually help farmers to do several things. A, it's autonomous. Some of those um, tractors are autonomous, so you don't have to actually worry about driving it. But also precision, right? Mm. So because you have the data, you know you can map the the field that you're on you're mapping it and then you're able to very precisely drive and you're not wasting any of the grains that you have to plant right because you know exactly how how you're going you know the route and so on and so on and you're going to do it at exactly right time right so um it goes in my head, the, the whole logic behind it. But if you plant at a certain time, you get a higher yield and higher cro- uh, crop productivity and so on and so on, right? So that's data coming in, mm. you know, you, you are informed by data. And then once you have access to all of the data, weather data, you know not to do it at a certain time because let's say it's going to be too hot or it's going to be too wet and so on. So that's when you bring in the third party data, right? And And that's what really, really helps. Uh, when you combine all the different data together, you can really get smarter about not only your own business, but how it should perform compared to the best in class.
0: Really, really fascinating. And and, and Sylvia, I can speak to you about this all, all day. Um, we're going to have to get you back on the show because there are a million questions that we didn't get to ask you, but... I'm gonna ask a final question now about your history and background and specifically about leadership and diversity within technology, because you are a Polish female with a sociology background, really on the cutting edge of, of technology for the enterprise, as you've just explained. You don't see many people with your background doing what you're doing. How do you reflect on your own career and background and talk a little bit about what you'd like to see as far as opportunities, for women in technology is concerned?
1: And that's a very, very interesting question. So um, typically analyst tech um, is is very much uh, male dominated, well, shouldn't say dominated is not the right word to use it's it's a male male industry simply because uh, background engineering degrees and so on and being on a couple of different panels uh, one of the key challenges is women are less likely to um, be educated uh, in maths and so on so the stem um, topics uh, and so on and that's one of the big barriers Uh, so girls at being told it's okay that you you know you're not very good at maths because you don't need it and so on so i think this is all going back to you know the way you were brought up that you know you should be better at languages you should be better at this and that so unfortunately this goes back to very much um the role models and and the way you know male versus female uh, are being portrayed but i think um Yes, definitely. Being Polish, uh, living in London, uh, being educated in the UK did did help, and I think uh, being female also helps with having a little bit different perspective um, when it comes to comes to things. So. It's really, it's a really hard question. Uh, being a bit more intuitive, so thinking about things from a different perspective um, mm. and bringing this, this point of view. What I would like to see more, I would like to see obviously more more females in 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 the field. But this is not going to change overnight. Mm. Uh, we see that you know across sea level, the change is happening, but it's very very slow. It's going to take decades. When we think about you know when women were allowed to vote, that wasn't such a long time ago. So sure. everything takes time, and we have to be unfortunately um very patient Uh, but uh, i would say having role models and having somebody that you aspire to be always helps
0: well said sylvia thank you so much for doing this
1: thank you nathan
0: if you'd like to share any comments on this episode or any episode of client side then find us online at fox.agency if you'd like to appear as a guest on the show please email chloe at fox.agency The people that make this show possible are Chloe Murray, our booker slash researcher. David Clare is our head of content. Ben Fox is our executive producer. I'm Nathan Anibaba. You've been listening to ClientSide from Fox Agency. Join us next time on ClientSide, brought to you by Fox Agency.